0: Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. Well, hello there, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you are listening to episode 192 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are discussing all things related to downsizing, and specifically, we're talking about how on earth we can help our older relatives, our older parents and grandparents perhaps, downsize without feelings of incredible emotional overwhelm. Now, I should say right off the bat that today's episode idea came from a listener. Sue wrote to me, and Sue said that she recently went through the hefty task of helping her 87-year-old mother downsize into an assisted living facility. After today's interview, I am going to offer up the insight she gained after spending a weekend helping her mother downsize. Today, I am speaking with Rose Lounsbury. Rose is a simplicity coach. She's my good friend, and I'm super excited to have her on the podcast for a second time. Before we get into our conversation today, a quick note that this week's episode is sponsored by Quince. Traditional luxury retailers add markup after markup through middlemen, and the old way of doing things is full of financial and environmental waste. Quince has been a game changer for my wardrobe and home and that's because Quince cuts out the excess. They eliminate excess packaging and unnecessary shipping around the globe, and they only partner with factories committed to sustainability. Quince is building the next Amazon, but better. Try Quince today and get free shipping and 365-day free returns. Just go to onequince.com slash sustainable. Many collections sell out immediately, so move quick, that's O N E. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com forward slash sustainable. Rose, I'm so excited to talk to you. How are you?
1: I am doing great. How are you?
0: I'm great. Well, listeners who aren't acquainted with you, Rose is my good friend who I've actually never met (laughs) in real life. Uh, But Rose, you were, I had to go back and look it up. You were the guest on way back episode 17 of this podcast. That was about three years ago now, back to when I didn't really know what I was doing. We talked about <laughs> financial freedom and minimalism. And listeners, if you missed that one, go back and listen to it if you dare. Tell us, Rose, who you are, what you've been up to, and what's new in your life since we talked last.
1: Yeah. So I'm Rose Lounsbury and I'm a simplicity coach and an author and a speaker. And basically what I do is I help people live happier lives with less stuff. And in three years, since the last time I was on your podcast, which, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that it has been that long. And I can't believe we've never met in person either. My my business has grown. And what I found is that I really enjoy the speaking aspect of my business more and more. Other new things, I have triplets, which is not new, but they are almost 12. They'll be 12 in about a month. And so that's been really exciting um, just from you know a personal perspective to see them gain this independence that they've gotten in the last, just this last year, you know, that they can you know, bike themselves to the pool and I don't have to have a babysitter. And so anyone out there who has little kids, I'm just telling you that as like maybe a light at the end of the tunnel for you. If you need to hear that, that someday your children will be able to do things for themselves. And I'm just in this point where I'm seeing it right now happening in my own life. So that's very exciting as well.
0: Well, I needed to hear that. (laughs) Good. So thank you. And that sounds lovely. Congratulations to you for raising three independent young adults.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's still, you know, the jury's still out on the verdict here. You know, they're, they're getting there. We're getting
0: there. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you today about perhaps downsizing if listeners are interested in downsizing and need a how to do it. But more, I wanted to talk to you about how can we... Help our older relatives, our older parents, perhaps our grandparents, perhaps, downsize. I have experienced in my own life as I helped my mother uh, take my grandmother's apartment full of stuff after she suddenly passed away and disperse it, get rid of it, donate it, keep some of it. I should say right off the bat that my grandmother died suddenly. She wasn't sick. She was amazing at giving away stuff. Over the last 10 years of her life, she started giving away stuff um, because she didn't want to be a burden on those she left behind. And I appreciate her for that, even though at the time it felt really kind of awkward taking her stuff while she was still alive. But I'm saying all this to say that even though I had a grandmother who was forward thinking in downsizing, letting go, the task was still really mentally and emotionally draining. So that's where I want to start today is, you know, it's a physically daunting task, but it's also an emotionally daunting task. So how can we as helpers help manage both the tasks and the feelings associated with downsizing?
1: Yeah, well first of all I'm so sorry about the loss of your grandmother. Um I know that that the sudden loss probably played into the emotional difficulty that you felt when you were going through her things. And you know it's interesting that you ask about the task and the feelings because this is this is an emotional thing. I mean yes, physically there is a task that needs to be done but more than that, it's an emotional task that needs to be done because when we are going through someone's things, especially in your case where the person had already passed, right? So there are people who do this while someone is still alive, right? They're going through it with them. And then there are people who do it after someone has passed. And so, the best advice that I have actually comes from my own grandmother. Uh, my grandmother Dorothy, she actually just passed away this past December from COVID. She was living in an independent living facility, still very much in control of all her faculties. She was like the sharpest tool in the shed at the independent living facility, and um, you know she she went very quickly with COVID. Um, but before she Died. Um, So if we could go back maybe about four years or so, I was asked to give a talk at a senior living community as um, almost like a, a welcome speaker. So these were people who were considering moving to this independent living facility. And so the facility wanted to invite them to have a lunch, tour the facility, and they wanted to have a speaker as well. So they asked me to speak about the topic of downsizing. So I said, Hey, Grandma. I'm doing this talk at this, you know, senior living facility. Could you give me some advice? Like, what would you tell people who are about to undertake this task that you just did? My grandmother, you know, she was so practical. She was like a member of that greatest generation, lived through World War II. Everything was very practical with her. She said, well, I have two pieces of advice. One, I wish I'd started downsizing before I moved. And two, it's just stuff. And when she said, it's just stuff, she kind of like, she had this uh, mannerism that all of my cousins would know, but she took her hands, both her hands and kind of like brushed them away from herself. Like, it's just stuff, you know, like just let it go. You know, it, it doesn't matter. And so when I did my talk at the senior center, I centered my talk around those two points. And so um, I'll kind of share some of the, the wisdom as I dug a little deeper into what I think she was saying, what I really think the message is. And the first one, that idea that she wished she'd started downsizing before she moved. Like your grandmother I think my grandmother realized, if you think of your current home, you could think of it like a practice ground for living with less. So even in my own life, when I started the process of technically downsizing, right, in my 30s with my young kids. I found that it was almost like this experience of slowly shedding and learning to live with less, and then you shed a little more and you learn to live with less. So you sort of are practicing living with less because what my grandmother did in a week, I kind of did over the course of several years in my own life. So that would be the first piece of advice is if you are starting to downsize or if you're helping someone downsize, just start now and begin practicing like, okay, could we live with less wooden spoons? Could we live with a smaller wardrobe? Could we live with less furniture? You know, And, and just start letting go so that you get in the habit of living with less. So when the time comes, whether it's that call that says, okay, you have to be in here in a week, or whether it's something unfortunate like an accident or a fall and it's suddenly imperative that the move happens quickly, you've already had the practice of living a downsized lifestyle, even in your four bedroom house. And then I think the second piece of advice that my grandmother gave really deals with those feelings that you talked about. You know, when she says it's just stuff, I think what she's getting at is something that I have said for years, which is when we're dealing with our stuff, we're not actually dealing with our stuff. What we're dealing with are our feelings about our stuff. All of our stuff is filled with emotions. We have imbued our things with emotions. Thus, when we start to deal with it, especially in the event of downsizing and what you experience with your grandmother, you have an emotional experience. Actually, yes, it's a physical experience. You're moving stuff, putting it in donation bags, yada, yada. But but really, you're going through an emotional process. And I think that my grandmother said, you know, really, it is emotional, but these are just Physical things. This is paper, cotton, wood, metal, plastic, whatever it actually is. That's what it is. It's not you. It's not who you love. It's just a physical thing. And so when we can look at it that way, we start to realize the truth, which is we are in no way diminished by letting go of our stuff because it's just stuff. It is not us. And I think that's the mindset shift. That if we can start to think that way, we can let go easily and with more joy. And the last thing that I'll mention when I'm talking about the emotional side is a a wonderful phrase that I learned from my good friend, Christy Lingo. And she had this phrase that she would tell moms, especially when they were dealing with all of their kids' artwork and memorabilia. And she'd say, if everything's a 10, then nothing's a 10. Meaning if we try to save everything and we say, well, everything is my favorite, everything is a 10 out of 10. What it actually does is it devalues our things because not everything can be a 10. And if we say that everything is, then nothing is. And so, yes, we are not diminished by letting go of our things. At the same time, there are some things that I think we should hold on to because those are the 10s. Those are the things that really matter to us. And I'll give you the example from my grandmother's life. The one thing that she could not let go of that she made sure she took that was not a useful or practical thing were her younger brother, Junie's clothes. And Junie uh, died when he was six years old. He was hit by a car outside their church. And my grandmother, you know, in her 90s, is the only living person on earth who remembers this little boy. And um, she said, when she moved to the independent living facility and she took Junie's clothes with her, she just said, bury me with them. And uh, we did. So, so there it is, you know, it it makes me emotional, but I think it's important because I'm proving the point that, that we're dealing with our feelings here, when we're dealing with our stuff, that if she had saved everything, how would we have known what was the 10? How would we have known that her brother's clothes were the damn most important thing for her to take with her? We wouldn't. It was a gift to us to know that about her, And she gave us the gift because she had the courage to let go of everything that wasn't a 10. So I say that because, yes, it's an emotional experience, but it is so worth it because what it does is it helps the people coming after you to know what really mattered to you. It leaves your legacy in a way that says, yes, this is what this person valued. This is what was important to them. And we get to that through this process.
0: Hmm. Well, your grandmother sounds like an amazing person. I think your grandmother and my grandmother would have been best buds. <laughs> it seems like your grandmother understood intuitively in her bones that stuff is just stuff. And my grandmother understood that as well. But what about helping all the other relatives who do not believe that stuff is just stuff and have deep connections to every little thing that they've accumulated over 40 years. How do you suggest helping somebody who has drastically different views on stuff than we do? And I say that because we both identify as minimalists. We understand that stuff is just stuff, or we believe that way. But I have learned in my capacity as a podcast host, that not everybody thinks about stuff in the same way I do. So do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yes, I do. And I think that's a really important question to ask because, yeah, not everyone is like my grandma and able to relatively easily let go of physical objects. And I think when we're dealing with people who are in an older generation, we have to realize that a lot of what we see as the different views on stuff are actually just different cultural values. So if you dig into the cultural values of someone like our our grandmothers who would have lived through the Great Depression or even our parents, who were raised by the people who lived through the Great Depression, you realize that there's a different view on what security means. So for somebody who was in the Great Depression, security meant stability. So this is the age of you buy a house, you work a job where you have a pension. I mean, I think they said like 40% of workers used to be in unions, right, back when our grandparents were working and raising families. So there was this idea of stability. You worked for a company or an organization for 30, 40 years. They took care of you with a pension and there was no, no internet. So it's not like you were remote working. You were working in your community. Thus, you bought a house. You filled it with sturdy, stable things because that was how you felt secure, right? You had the hutch full of China and all of that stability led to you feeling very secure in your life. So that just, it makes sense, Right. That value makes sense. Now, if we fast forward to today and the generation that you and I are growing up in and um, our children are growing up in, we still have the value of security. I want security. You want, everybody wants to feel secure, but realize that our security in this generation is actually linked to our mobility. So for us, living in an era where there's mobile work, where there's you know, the internet and virtual options, we are actually more secure the more we are able to quickly pick up and move and maybe move to San Francisco and work for a startup company. So having the big hutch of China and all the physical stuff actually makes us feel less secure because we're not able to be mobile and our security in the world we're living in now is linked to our mobility our ability to move quickly. And so that's I think the mindset piece around this is to first of all realize that they're not wrong and you're not right <laughs> because they want to hold on to all their stuff and you want them to let go of all of it. It's just you're both coming at this from a different cultural perspective and a different value perspective, although you actually have the same value of security. It's just they're looking at it through the the lens of stability, probably, and you're looking at it through the lens of mobility. So it's just a different lens for the same thing. So here are the practical tips that I would give people who might be faced with the task of helping someone of an older generation let go of their stuff, The first would be, you need to allow this to take as much time as it takes. This isn't going to be something where you walk in on a Saturday and you clean out the whole house in one day. You're going to need to go at the pace at which the person is comfortable. I recommend, just like my grandma said, start now, right? Start soon, but don't rush them. Allow them to take the time that they need to take to let go of the things. Because if people feel rushed, they're going to start to just cling to their things. So just allow it to take time. The second thing that I would say is allow them if you're helping them, allow them to tell you the story of their stuff. I have learned just so many fascinating stories from older people I've worked with. When they talk about their things, they talk about where that, you know, pendant came from or there was my grandmother's nursing cape from World War II and they tell me the story. It's just fascinating. So allow them to tell you the story because realize that's for them probably the important part of it. So allow them to tell you, listen, and even write the story down if you feel so moved. Because really what's important about the thing is not the thing. It's the story that might be contained with the thing. And the final practical tip that I would give you if you're working with someone who has a different view on stuff is to possibly take photographs of really special things and you could make a photo book and include perhaps the story of the thing in the photo book. So You've captured the item, you've captured the story, which is what's really important to the person. And then in that way, you might be able to more easily and they might more easily be able to let go Of the thing itself.
0: So good, Rose. So good. We're going to continue this conversation all about helping others downsize. And we're even going to get into a little bit of Swedish death cleaning. Oh, my goodness. After a quick word from this week's sponsor The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is supported by Gemist. I can never find shampoo that works for me, and I'm tired of investing in products that don't work for my hair. That's why I'm thrilled to have found Gemist. I took their quick quiz, then their algorithm matched me with the right shampoo and conditioner for me. It's not magic, it's science. Gemist has addressed my biggest hair concerns, like its frizziness for one, and my hair's now soft, clean, and definitely less frizzy. Even better? I'm no longer wasting money and resources on the wrong products. And did I mention that Gemist is also free of parabens, dyes, and sulfates? Right now, my listeners can give Gemist a try and get 20% off their shampoo and conditioner smart subscription. Smart subscribers already save 20% on each order, so this is an amazing deal. And with free two-day shipping, you can have it this weekend. Just visit gemist.com to get your personalized recommendation and enter minimalist at checkout for 20% off your subscription and free two day shipping. That's G-E-M-M-I-S-T.com and enter code minimalist at checkout to get the best hair of your life. And we're back with Rose Lounsbury. We are talking all about downsizing. We are talking about helping others downsize. We are even getting into the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning. But before we do that, another quick question for you, Rose. Sometimes I would imagine that the task is too overwhelming for the homeowner and the helpers. It's too physically challenging, too emotionally challenging, just too big of a task. So, in what instances would you recommend that listeners outsource? I know there are estate sale businesses that come in and, you know, take care of it for you. When slash if should we outsource the task?
1: I would say almost
0: always. I think
1: that you're right. This is a very overwhelming task. There's a lot to be done. And even when you outsource, realize you're still going to have to do a lot of work to prep for that outsourced person to come in and help you. So I would recommend hiring an estate sale company or there are people that if you Google the term senior move management or senior move managers, there's a whole business designed around helping seniors move out of the home they've lived in, you know, for 30, 40 years into, you know, a senior living community. So those people, this is their job. They're very well-trained. They know what they're doing and it can just make things so much easier for the family. So the things that I would recommend um, if you're thinking about hiring an estate sale company or senior move managers to to kind of prep yourself first, realize they're not necessarily still going to make the decisions for you on what you need to keep and what you need to let go of. So some of that still needs to be made by you. I kind of think of it as concentric circles. So if you thought of making like two concentric circles on a piece of paper or three circles, that very middle center circle, the the bullseye, is what's really important to you. Like you can write you in there. And those are the tens out of tens. Like what is really key that you take with you to the senior living community? What are the things that are absolutely musts for you? And do this without even looking at your stuff. Just do it from your mind. Because if you can't think of it in your mind, it's probably probably not that important. So what are the most important things to take? Then that next level circle, you can write friends and family. And write down the things that you really want your friends and family to have. Maybe it's your sewing machine, your doll collection, whatever it is that's really important that these things need to go to people you know. And then everything else is kind of in that third circle or the, the extra paper you have on the side. Those are the things that you can tell the estate sale people that they can deal with. But I do think it's important that you prep ahead of time, so that you and the and the family has made those decisions first on what's important for the person to take, and what's important for friends and family to have, and then everything else you can say okay, and you can even mark everything with painters tape or whatever that they don't touch, but say okay, everything else is up to you guys. Um, but I do think you don't want to just one hundred percent hand this task over. To Someone else, but they will be so helpful on the physical side of things. Um, they also, because they do this, they can be helpful on the emotional side of things, get recommendations from people, you know, as well, uh, when you're hiring someone to do something like that, because recommendations really matter with that kind of work.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I know you used to be a teacher in your previous life, and I used to be a teacher. And so your Venn diagram (laughs) recommendation speaks to my teacher heart. So thank you. Great advice. My next question for you has to do with opening up our own homes to (laughs) our relatives' stuff. And this is a very personal question for me. When my grandmother died, when my husband's grandmother died a few months back, It seems to me as though what happens is that the people making decisions don't know exactly what to do with all these specific things, particularly the emotional things. So they bring them into their own homes and then they try and pass them off one at a time uh, to other family members. (laughs) Like, here, would you like this vase? Oh, how about this tablecloth? Oh, this was your grandmother's painting. And these items that, even though it's just stuff, it has that emotional component to it. And so these items are just then dispersed to the remaining family members. And that's fine to a fault. However, I wonder whether we're just kicking the can down the road, so to speak, because we're not actually dealing with it. We're just passing it on. My question here is, how can we help our older relatives declutter, purge their stuff, without getting stuck with the possessions ourselves?
1: Yeah, that is a big question. I'm sure many people are nodding their heads in recognition as they're listening to you ask it. So there's a couple things that I would say to that. First is is you have to realize that sometimes the only way that someone can let go of something is to give it to you. And we may have all experienced that to a certain degree. Like when I let go of my teaching materials, the only way that I could let go of them was by giving them to another teacher. Now, if that teacher, after she left my house with her van full of my old stuff, stopped at the nearest dumpster and dumped it all in, I actually don't really care. (laughs) I couldn't put it in a dumpster myself and I couldn't drop it at the goodwill, but I could give it to another person. And if they could do that for me, all the better. So realize that sometimes the only way that person can let go of a thing is to give it to you. They don't usually intend for you to keep this forever and ever. Amen. So once it's yours, it's yours, right? Meaning you can choose to let go of it. You can say, thank you. Now it's yours. And at that point, do with it as you feel fit. If it's going to add value to your life, if it's useful or beautiful to you, keep it. If it's not, you donate it yourself. You put it up for free on your Buy Nothing group. You let it go, okay? If it's it's not supposed to be a burden, they're giving it to you, hopefully to bless you, but really more because this is the only way they can let go of it. So, so I almost think of it as doing them a favor sometimes, by taking it and then letting go of it if you need to. And when my parents downsized from the big house they, they uh, raised me in, I did a lot of this myself. And I recognized it because I'd seen it in my clients. I recognized that for what it was. It's okay to take things to make it easier on your loved one. However, um, we can't take everything, right? And we don't want to pay all the shipping costs or you know, get a U-Haul or whatever we might need to for a lot of things. So I also recommend that you be very honest about what you'd like to take and what you can use and what you can't. So saying something like, you know, I'd really love to have the China teapot, but I don't have room for the whole hutch of China. You know, just being really honest up front about I'd really like this. However, I don't have room in my life For that, I think that that can be a way that you can sort of set some boundaries up front about what you really want to bring into your life and what you don't. And even when you do that, you might still end up with some things and it's okay. You know, say thank you and then quietly let go of it yourself later.
0: Hmm. And I would just want to ask you there, you know, when my grandmother was for the past 10 years giving away all of her stuff, she would say to me, Stephanie, what do you want? Take anything. Take anything you want from my house. She would actually say those words, but I felt really awkward just saying like, ooh, I'll take that. And ooh, I'll take that. That didn't feel respectful or kind. It seemed kind of um, gauche, perhaps. Do you have any words that speak to that? Should I have just taken what I wanted, or was I doing the right thing by trying to be respectful and not taking all her stuff?
1: <laughs> well, in the specific instance that you're mentioning, it sounds like your grandmother, a lot like mine, um, knew that she was letting go of things. And you know, as you're talking, I'm remembering my grandmother bringing me like a tea set for my daughter and these like pre-Lego Legos for my boys. That was like, before there were actual Legos, there were whatever these things were that her kids had played with. Um, And she would just bring them and be like, these are for you. I'm giving these other things to, you know, your cousins. And I think when people are approaching the task of downsizing, I think in my own mind and, and from my work, we're actually helping them by taking their things. So if someone says, what do you want? Take anything. To me, what your grandmother was saying is I want to bless you with some things Please take some things to bless yourself. I think it helps people feel good about letting go of their things when they know that, or they believe that someone they love can use them and someone they love can make you know, their life better by using their things. So what I would see in that situation is you helping her by choosing a few important things that you would like that, you know, cause she's offering it up to you and saying, here, take what you want. So I would see it as I'm helping her be able to transition through this process by taking some things that will be really valuable to me. So yes, it is, it is a weird thing to like go through someone's house as if it's a free yard sale and pick things up off the, the sideboard, you know? Um, but that's if you've ever been to an estate sale, that's what happens anyway, right? Um, You go to an estate sale and everybody's things are out there. People are just picking them up and they're paying for them. They're not paying much for them, but that's, what's going to happen to all those things. So I think when we realize that if we don't take what matters to us, somebody else is going to, and they're not going to have the same connection to it that we would, because it's not their grandma's stuff. Um, I think when someone offers you that you, you take them up on it. If there's truly nothing that you want, then then say, you know, I've, I've actually got everything I need. Thank you so much, grandma. But but I've got everything I need. Thank you. I don't need anything else. But if there are things that would be truly valuable to you, by all means, that's an opportunity for you to take some things that are going to make a difference for your life. I hope that that is helpful. I know we're talking about a past situation that's already happened, but hopefully that's helpful maybe for people who might be in that situation right now.
0: No, that's super helpful. And it makes me think to reframe the question, right? Like actually taking an item from her, an item that i genuinely wanted and would love on and would memorialize her would be doing her a favor. i never thought of it that way, but but knowing her <laughs> that it would have been a, it would have been a, a help for her. My last <laughs> question for you today, Rose, has to do with Swedish death cleaning, and i really must say right off the bat, i hate this term, Swedish death cleaning. It's so morbid, but essentially for listeners who don't know this phenomenon, it is, well, first of all, there's a book. It's called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning, and it's by Margarita Magnuson. And I'll link to it in the show notes for anybody who's interested. But essentially, Swedish Death Cleaning is the idea that once we, once you and I and everybody listening hits middle age, whatever middle age means to you, we get in the habit of slowly and gently starting to purge our stuff so that no one else gets stuck with it. No one else has to do it for us. So you already touched on this a little bit at the beginning, but what are your thoughts for those of us listening who may find themselves in middle age and may want to start decluttering their stuff so that their loved ones don't get stuck with it all? What are some thoughts you have for them?
1: So I have um, a mindset tip, and then I have some practical tips on this one. The first one is the mindset tip, and I have not read this book, But I am not a fan of the connotation of let me get rid of my junk so that my kids aren't stuck with it. That is so negative on so many levels that I just don't think it's very helpful for most people to think, well, I got to get rid of my stuff so that my kids aren't stuck with it when I'm gone. I really think that the act of letting go or decluttering is actually about embracing the season and stage of life that you are in. If the season and stage of life that you are in is, you know, you're raising young children, then you probably don't have use for those clothes you wore to go clubbing in college. If the stage of life that you are in is your children are middle schoolers and high schoolers, you probably don't need sippy sippy cups and high chairs. If your children are out of the house, you probably don't need a bunch of high school pendants and trophies and that kind of thing. So on and so forth, right? Every stage of life is about embracing what is useful and helpful to us and beautiful to us at that stage. And middle age and old age are no different. They're simply another stage of life. And so if we think of ourselves, if we're elderly people or we're middle-aged people or we're older people, what is useful to you at this stage of life? And here's the reason why that matters. Because when we're holding on to things that don't serve us at that stage, we are not able to enjoy that stage as much as we could. Because we are holding ourselves tethered to the past that no longer exists, and we're not fully embracing and opening ourselves up to the possibilities and the beauty of the life that we are living, of the stage of life that we are living right now. So I'm going to just kind of flip that idea on its head that we let go of the junk so that our kids don't have to deal with it. You let go of what doesn't serve you so that you can live your best life right now. Whether you're 80, whether you're 18, whether you're 38, I don't care the things you have in your life right now should serve you. They should serve the stage you're in to allow you to enjoy your life now. So that's why I think we should all declutter our things, no matter what stage of life that we are in.
0: Well, I'm sorry. Can I just interrupt you before you give your practical tips? I'm going to interrupt you because I'm super rude. (laughs) I just wanted to add that, yes, you're serving yourself by passing on the items that are not needed in your season of life, but you're also serving others, right? Like, if you don't need that high chair in your basement, why trip over it every time you go to the basement? Why not instead serve others by giving it to somebody who could use it and prevent that person from buying a new one? So Sorry for interrupting. I just need to insert that. Go ahead with your tips. That's
1: great. No, it's absolutely true because that is the other reason, right? Not only does it open ourselves, it's like win-win, right? It allows other people to live their best life at the stage that they are in and allows us to live our best life at the stage that we are in. So everybody's winning when we let go of the stuff that does not help us at the stage that we are at. So yes, I'm glad that you pointed that out because that is something that I didn't mention and that is very important. So when it comes to practical tips, if you're if you're ready to get started on this, and you're maybe middle aged um, or you're you're older, first thing I would say is just start somewhere easy. And this is my advice to anybody, no matter what age you are, start with the easy stuff. And as we listened earlier, like stuff is emotional. Like I got emotional talking about some stuff there. So you don't want to start with those emotional things. Start easy. Start with the things in the bathroom. Start with your towels. You know, start with your wardrobe if that feels easy. Whatever doesn't feel really emotionally heavy to you, start with those things. And you get a little practice and it gets easier as you go on. So just start with the easy stuff. And then the second piece of advice I would give you is to start small. Especially if you're a little older and then people have mobility issues or just they get fatigued right more easily. Like you're not gonna be able to do this for eight straight hours. You know, just one drawer, one cupboard. And also I recommend doing things um, that you can do sitting down, right? So maybe you can have a box of stuff that you can sit down while you sort through it. Don't try to be on your feet the whole time. And the third piece of advice I would give is to enlist help, whether that is hired help, which we talked about a little bit or volunteer help, maybe your own kids or grandkids, Um, but have some helpers help you with this because it is, yes, it's emotional, but it's also really physically exhausting to do this. And one of the things that I recommend doing is um, have them bring you stuff while you sit down. So when I was an in-home professional organizer, like I said, I often worked with elderly people and I would just say, okay, where are you comfortable? Let's get you seated. You get comfortable and I would bring the things to them. So let me bring out all your clothes, um, all your shirts, and I'm going to hold them up and you tell me yes or no. Because I often would tell people, you know, for this act of decluttering, I don't need your muscles. I need your brain, which I guess technically is a muscle, but I need them to make decisions. I don't need them to move boxes and bags around. I can do that. But I need them to make the decision. So make it just really so you're just making the decisions. Have them bring you the stuff. You can sit down. They can hold it up. And you can just say yes or no. And they can move it along.
0: Rose, I love a great episode that's chock full of tips. And you definitely brought them today. So I want to thank you so much for that. But before we say goodbye, I want you to please tell my listeners where they can get more of you online and maybe even talk to us about your super amazing monthly men group.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Yes, you came and spoke to my monthly men group, so I'll be happy to talk about that. Um, So the best place to find me online, if you go to my website, it's roseloundsberry.com and that's R-O-S-E-L-O-U dot com. I'm also on Instagram at Rose Lounsbury, and I have a wonderful Facebook community called Minimalism is Fun, where you can join us for some fun over there. And I'm also on LinkedIn. And my monthly MIN membership group, it's a monthly dose of simplicity accountability. So we meet live once a month for about an hour to talk about a different aspect of simplicity. And then throughout the month, we hold each other accountable to making progress, progress on whatever our personal intentions are. So each month, you set a personal intention, you do a check-in with us, and then you do a reflection, sharing you know the progress that you made toward your personal goals that month. So it's a really great group. Um, Stephanie, you came and talked to us about eco-friendly simplicity, which was so wonderful. And the other great thing is it, is it is a live program, but you have access to all of those recordings. So you would get access to Stephanie's training and all the other trainings that have been done over the last two or three years that I've had the program. So if you want more information about that, um, you can go to, I have a bit.ly link for it. It's bit.ly slash monthly min, and you can learn more about that as well.
0: Rose, I'll uh, link to all those lovely hyperlinks in this week's show notes, but I just want to say your group, what really struck me about it when I was talking to The participants was that you really did bring your teaching background into it. There is an intention or a goal. There's progress that is tracked. And, you know, how often do we say in our daily lives, okay, we're going to tackle this or we're going to um work towards this goal and then life gets in the way and it doesn't happen. And so I really wanted to say to you offline, but hey, we'll say it, we'll say it online. Um, that you're doing some really amazing things in that group. And thank you for having me for a speaker. And thank you for coming on and sharing your immense wisdom with my listeners. I I love you and I'm I love this talk.
1: Oh well thank you, Stephanie. I love you too. And I was so honored to be on your podcast again today. Thank you.
0: Listeners, I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with my friend, Rose Lounsbury. I've linked to all her links in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 192. Now, as promised, listener Sue wrote to me with her two best tips, and I want to impart them on you today. Her first tip is to talk to the adult who's downsizing, really talk about The items that are left, especially the emotional ones, talk about where it came from, who it belonged to, what it meant to them. Understand going into the process that what means something to them will likely mean nothing to you. So talk out the emotions, talk out the feelings, and try and keep your own thoughts and feelings out of it because it's not your stuff. Sue's second tip, was to read The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. Sue said that the book really helps guide all of us through the reasons why we should begin to manage our stuff now before it falls upon someone else. So she said that book is super helpful. I've linked to it in the show notes. But again, it's called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning and it's by Margarita Magnuson. So I want to say thank you one more time to Sue for presenting me with this episode topic. And thank you to Rose for offering up her insight. Listeners, I will see you next week. Please know you can reach out to me anytime. I love hearing from all of you. My email is in the show notes. I will see you next week. Have a great week and take care.
2: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.